Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Um, hello everyone, happy Friday. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's even more of a pleasure and relief to make it to this point on a Friday. Uh, let's hope my uh, laptop can keep up. Um, as Catherine mentioned, my name is Irina Wojciechowski. Or for those of you who are really into the ultra-core microblogging phenomenon uh, that's overtaken this part of East London, I'm Shevsky on the Twitters. Uh, feel free to you know, tweet and ask questions. Uh, and today I'll be talking about CCAN, primarily. Uh, CCAN is a piece of open source software that's rapidly evolving into a platform. And it's something that I've been working on for about three and a half years. It really feels like my baby to some extent, although one that has very quickly and rapidly grown up into a somewhat absent teenager who pops up all over the world from museums to national governments to hacker communities in all kinds of different guises with lots of different makeup. Uh, but sort of more on that later. Uh, I'm currently the commercial director at Open Knowledge, so I'm sort of actually a little bit more removed from the day-to-day -day of CCAN, and I work at Open Knowledge. Open Knowledge is an NGO nonprofit that was founded about 10 years ago. Uh, we are kind of a global network. We have chapters and working groups uh, all around the world who use advocacy, technology, and training to unlock information and data and really see that to empower citizens and, uh, and organizations to drive positive change. Uh, we have a lot of awesome open projects that we do. This is just a snapshot. Open spending looks into spending data for governments, uh, provides a kind of global uh, visualization framework for comparing budget and spending data. Uh, I've seen this used for all kinds of fantastic purposes like balancing budgets within Estonia so that citizens can see if they add something to the budget, what has to go to balance it or what they have to spend, to uh, comparing the official um, budget with the actual spending reported in Brazil and seeing the billions that are missing in terms of data. Um, we also organize kind of yearly festivals and organizations that are really the kind of space for open data, OK Festival, OK Con. Uh, this year was in, 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 in Berlin, and train people on data literacy with School of Data, data expeditions. For some reason, I've got this one kind of showing up later, uh, and other tools like co collaborative uh, crowdsourcing of, um, you know, labeling scientific evidence, uh, public domain review, and best practice kind of open data handbook, open data journalism handbook. Uh, we maintain the open definition and assess new licenses against it. So we actually uh, tell kind of the world whether we think a license is conformant to being open. And you know, there's kind of like one-off cute little projects. Uh, one of my favorite is actually where does my money go? Where does my money go from years ago? Uh, and it's you know, a way for a taxpayer to kind of go in and select their salary and, and actually see where their taxes are going every day. So, you, you know, if you earn about 22,000, you pay just under 9,000 pounds of taxes. Um, and that's kind of broken down on the top levels. And as you see, I've selected and clicked running the country and that kind of breaks down to a further level of exactly where the money is going. And, you know, this is kind of driving 
engagement and accountability. But I am here to talk about CCAN. And uh, CCAN is really a success story of ours in the sense that it's an open source product that's really seen mass adoption around the world. And we're, we're incredibly proud of the fact that it's been able to uh, really reduce the barriers to entry for data publication, data reuse, and it's kind of something that's available for the community and has seen you know, very substantial production use, has been penetration tested by numerous governments. Uh, I think it's been penetration tested by uh, Future City Glasgow this week as well, presumably. Um, and, you know, it's actually currently in use by the majority of uh, national governments. So everyone from Australia to Canada to Brazil, uh, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Japan, you know, UK, US governments all rely on this open source um, product that, that we started as their official uh, platform for open data. And what is it? So in a nutshell, it started off as being a search index and a signpost to data. So really a way for people to kind of enter a search term and find where the data is. So it didn't necessarily store the data, but it pointed to the data. And it was a metadata catalog. So you know, when you kind of open your shiny IKEA catalog and look at the pretty furniture you could buy, it was a similar thing. It would provide the context and the descriptions and uses of this potential data um, within it and as part of the, the search index. And over time, it's also become a data store. So while you've always been able to upload and store data, we now actually have a full data store that is structured um, and allows queries. And you can essentially, there's an API to the data. So for anything that is, is tabular, so spreadsheets, uh, you know, Excel, Excel file, CSV file, we actually provide an API to it. It goes into a data store. There's read-write access. So you can edit, and you can find very specific um, rows and cells within data across the whole catalog, uh, which allows, essentially, people to build applications on top of that. And if the data is in a good format, you could essentially just run apps off the data store. And also, for programmers and developers to kind of clean and filter and, and get the data into a state that they want to use it. And increasing, increasingly, it's also a data management solution. So one of the things that I've really found uh, over the last few years is governments themselves are often the biggest users of their own data portals. And that's because you know we're in a digital uh, transformation age in some extent where people are suddenly realizing that to have data that's machine readable, it's not just a digital representation of a paper thing or a copy. It is fundamentally different. The things you, you can do with data, uh, you just you can't do with, with paper, even if you can replicate the paper and it's easy to share. There are ways that you can sort of filter and search through it that's really different. And being able to keep track of your digital data, know where it is, know who has it, know what's there, uh, properly manage, edit it, give different authorization across. There's a chair over there, if you want. Um, is, is actually a growing, a growing need that we've seen kind of 
has actually made quite a big impact. Um, to go a little deeper, I think the two main use cases and things that I'll really be focusing on today is, is the kind of search and discoverability side um, for the reuses of data, which could be the government itself, could be citizens, could be transparency organizations, could be developers and you know, companies and entrepreneurs, and then also the data management tools for the publishers themselves and what we do to help support and offer those. Uh, and I will be primarily trying to do a, a live demo, a set of live demos, given that I've made this very risky decision, uh, I feel like we might as well throw all caution to the wind and allow questions midway. So if, if there is something I'm showing you and you have a very burning kind of question or you want me to show you a specific thing or expand, you know, I'm happy for you to kind of call, you know, indicate and I will try and, and respond and actually show you that in, in the, the moment I'm showing you. If it goes horribly wrong, as live demos do, you will, you will owe me a drink afterwards. Uh, that's the deal that we make when you raise your hand. So just as long as everyone's aware. So to turn to search and discovery. This is kind of, you know, I, I actually originally wrote this slide uh, probably a couple of years ago now, maybe. And, you know, so they added to it over time. And I think the thing that was most relevant then is the sense of having an online home. Back in those days, data, even if it was published on government sites, was often just a link on some web page. You know, you had no idea what the data was, when it was last updated, you know, who created it, who maintains it, you know, what, what the providence was the trail of that data had been. Uh, you couldn't find similar other data. That, you know, there was no keywords or topics or themes. And, and actually, finding that piece of data on Google was really difficult because it was not adequately labeled. And I think that was the really initial um, problem that we kind of addressed with CCAM, with which is providing that online home, providing that infrastructure to uh, move data away from just being a piece of data and a link somewhere or you know, a CSV to actually providing that context that allows you to reuse it and discover it. Um, and that's everything from the, that's, that's what constitutes the data set and the data set page. Um, that then has allowed sort of central keyword search. We have sort of search. You can facet by tags, location, the format of the data, the license, the publishing department. Uh, so it's really powerful. So if you have a lot of data, you can kind of go and uh, find different things, but I will show you this in a second. You can also browse by groups. And there's a standardized interface for viewing everything. So even if you pull these data sets from elsewhere, which CCAN allows you to do, allows you to kind of essentially harvest um, data sets from all kinds of external sources, uh, which could be websites, could be geo portals, could be, you know, Socrata portals, because why would you keep them in Socrata? Um, and, uh, and, and get them into CCAN. And the interface actually on the other side will be the same. No matter where the data set comes from, there'll be a friendly, similar user experience for the user at the other end. And I, that's really vital. And I think when I kind of led the redesign for CCAN 2, that made the really the big difference for the uptake um, and kind of the various different groups we've seen using it. Uh, we link to the data uh, directly. Oh, so 
each site, each page has a URL, unique sort of URI for both the data set and the data itself, which is permanent, which doesn't change, even if we're harvesting stuff from other sources. So there's always this kind of permanent home that you can link to from elsewhere. And we do previews uh, of data where possible. We do previews for obviously tabular data, for GeoJSON, for uh, even PDFs and kind of web pages uh, and text files. So this is, this is gonna be the tricky fun time. Uh, I found these sites mostly this morning uh, on, a, on a kind of actually through Twitter largely. I looked at the last things that people had been tweeting with CCAN project and um, and there's kind of a really a few really cool sites. If we, if we look at this one, this is a kind of a CCAN instance that's been kind of customized. You've got the sort of search that's, uh, you know, that's kind of key and, and, and similar and tag words you can see but here they've also kind of really put focus on um, who you know encouraging people to add their own data encouraging stuff to happen with the data sort of makers developers have a sort of section like there's a you know request data page um, there are applications that are showcased about how data was used that's in this portal it's using our apps and ideas extension um, and the data itself, I'm turning on. <laughs> um, can essentially be found in the data page. So this is a kind of pretty small site. It's pretty niche, um, but as you can see, even with 17 data sets, it's kind of had already four different applications that have been involved and there's like a community there, uh, which you can search and uh, find. Uh, this is the new Indonesian data portal, uh, official government site um, that I thought looked really cool. I actually launched this month, I think on the, on the 9th or the 7th of September. Uh, maybe we'll translate, I was gonna not translate, but. Oh. Is this supposed to be little beeping noises? Um, and as you can see, they've used kind of topic, they've used the group functionality to split up into topics, which kind of create, creates a kind of entry point. So if you're not sure exactly why you're here, you don't have a kind of, I'm looking for, you know, um, people imprisoned for alcoholism in the last three months in my district. If you don't have a very set use case, you can sort of browse by education, by economy, um, there's featured applications and visualizations they've added here. And this is all kind of running, running CCAN essentially. And it, it support, as you can see, it supports a very wide variety of customization and theming. You can make it look however you want. And here, if I, you know, as well, I've kind of gone into this particular, particular topic area. There's actually almost 800 data sets in this portal, but it allows to kind of narrow search and find similar things. So this is everything from education I could further say I want everything that has a particular tag. I, I might, I'll show a kind of English version later for those of you who don't know Indonesian. But you can also find, uh, you know, different formats. And you can see that pretty much uh, there's 63 data sets in here. And all 63 are licensed um, uh, by the Creative Commons attribution. So you know exactly what you can do with the data once you go onto uh, a data set page. 
you know, you, you know who published it, from what department it came from, uh, what are, you know, you can browse for similar things by the keywords, you can look at the data, you can download it directly, um, you know, and you can also kind of comment and see what, what year and everything, what quarter it was, it was published in. Um, I might show you, I might show you publicdata.eu. Publicdata.eu is a really good example of this because it has close to 50,000 uh, data sets, uh, which is not, not that many. The US site has uh, a little over half a million, although most of them are filtered out for the main search index because a lot of them are similar. Um, it's mostly geospatial data. And this is actually a prototype for the pan-EU portal uh, and that, that we built as part of a kind of research project. And it's pulling in data from 30 different um, government sites across Europe and essentially providing a common interface search index to all of them. And here, as you can see, I have sort of similar topics and groups, but also I can, I can you know, choose particular tags. So for example, maybe I only want you know, health or I only want UK data sets. So I, if I choose UK, if I click on it, suddenly we're gonna go from just under 50,000 to just under 20,000. And you can see there's a tag that you can get rid of. Uh, I also want, you know, I just want CSVs. And you can see the breakdown of the data that is from UK and it's from the London Data Store, from data.gov.uk. Um, I think those are the two that are uh, the sources for this. You can also have previously see the breakdown of what kind of formats this data is in by just by looking at, uh, at this site. So out of the CSV ones, 374 uh, also have PDFs. Can this aggregation only aggregate data from other CCAN instances? Uh, and the answer is no. So for other CCAN instances, it's trivial. You literally, you put in the URL of the other CCAN instances, say, I want it updated weekly, monthly, daily, whatever, click, go, it just happens. And there's a full report of how and breakdown, and it's just seamless. For other sources, um, we build different harvesters to pull it in. So actually, I'll show you, I can show you a data set that's from the London Data Store that uh, I think is launching a CCAN site soon, but in the meantime, is just on a Drupal website. And we've actually just built a little scraper uh, to pull it in. And we have support for pulling in uh, data sets from basically from anything that conforms to Inspire or Gemini uh, 2.1. Uh, so we can pull in Inspire conformant data, and you know CCAN serves as the U, uh, the kind of UK location program node uh, for for Inspire within Europe um, for data.gov.uk, and we can pull in uh, essentially things from a variety of geospatial uh, catalogs, including ArcGIS Z39 databases, uh, GeoPortals. Uh, a different version of Esri GeoPortal that I forget the exact name of. Um, and basically anything that kind of uses ISO 1939 as their schema. Um, and we, we know what the protocol is for getting the data in. Anyway. But yes, good question. Fantastic. Uh, so as you can see, this is already kind of, um, so you know, maybe I want hospitals. I like health. Um, so I can use the the keyword search. I also, you know, it might be worth saying how how boring or new is this? I mean, is it, does everyone here already know CCAN or 
Who here? Who here knows about Seacan already? Some people, but not everybody. Okay, I will try and include some new, new cool stuff that's happened over the last uh, few weeks as well. Um, and for everybody else, so yes, yeah, so I've done a keyword search that's narrowed my search again to just under 300. I feel like, oh, I need to narrow it some more. I want things that are specifically tagged with hospitals. Um, you know, that's gone down to 38. And now, you know, alcoholism is a really super important thing. I might also reorder by last modified. Yeah, so, so this is obviously not the official uh, European Commission portal. And we kind of keep things um, as they come in. So obviously from different, uh, from different countries, data comes in in different languages. And you can, you know, CCAN supports all characters from all languages. And it has, the interface is translated into over 20 different languages by, by volunteers largely. Uh, so you can choose the language of your interface. And you can actually do translations of keywords and strings. So this is not a setup on this site, but for the official European Commission portal, which we also helped build um, as part of a consortium, it's got uh, a variety of multilingual support, including a sort of basic string translation and keyword translation based on Eurovoc. Uh, so that if you put in, you know, so say your interface might be in German and then you put in like a, you know, French word perhaps, there's actually quite a clever search algorithm that will go and first prioritize things that actually are in French than things that are in German. Uh, and then also anything that translates to those, to that tag and that set of keywords um, in the uh, title and description and keyword and, and the keywords as well. But that needs to be set up. Uh, for Canada, actually, is a really good example because obviously they b are bilingual and they have to have every data set in two different languages. So everything is in English and in French and they have full metadata in both languages and they have the interface in both languages um, and they've got quite, uh, quite good bilingual support. But they've, they found that they wrote their own sort of specific thing to work better for bilinguality as opposed to using the sort of multilingual European Commission um, add-on, if you will. Uh, the way CCAN works is there's a kind of core bit and then there are add-ons. So you can sort of find, pick and mix things that you are interested in. Um, in fact, the multilingual one recently has been really polished off by Ian Ward. Um, I think I tweeted about it the other day. Uh, so you, you can kind of have a look. If, if you are a developer or know some developers, you can point them to the, to the GitHub repository. Okay, so as you can see, the, these tags, I can get rid of them, I can reorder, um, I can say go into a particular data set. Um, and so here, this is actually being pulled out from the London Data Store, uh, where you know it, it, it's in a different format. And we've managed to get everything from when it was released to the temporal coverage, so when this data is relevant for us, so it's between 2002, 2007. Uh, the source of it, the kind of the author of the data, um, you know, the description, the title, as well as kind of CSV and XML versions that we can either just download. Um, public data, you actually map CSVs to RDFs. You can actually get an RDF version of the data as well. Uh, I think I should be able to preview it. As, and we do these kind of previews in the browser to essentially give people a sneak 
Oh no, don't lose connection. My battery gone. Um, a sneak kind of preview into what the data actually looks like. So, you know, before you download it, you put it in your own tools, you can actually just get a sense of what it is. There's only 43 rows in here. Um, I can search through them. So I, maybe I care about Camden. So one row for Camden. Um, I can sort of change things around. I can build a little graph. Um, you know, it's kind of fairly simple. So maybe I do it, I kind of look at different areas and I want the rate of admissions for 2002 to 2003. Maybe I want to compare that to 2003, 2004. Oh, it grew everywhere, right? Um, and you can kind of look, in, look into this, search, and if you search, it'll just update automatically. It all happens in the browser. And that gives you a really basic sense of you know, what's happening, what's going on. Maybe I want to pick something like percentage increase. Um, you know, and if I remove that, you can, uh, you can actually see that some areas, there was, a, there was a decrease over time, and you can then think, okay, what other relevant data could I find? Uh, why would there be you know, a decrease in Tower Hamlets, but such kind of rapid increases in Enfield and Barnet uh, between 2002 and 2003? Can I find similar data sets from other years? And you can kind of combine, you know, combine and have a look at them. Um, you know, another... So this is, because this is pulled in from uh, the London data store, we're just kind of getting the data we have from them. Uh, but if it gets updated, then we then change it on this side as well. Uh, and we kind of link back to it. Um, so just to give you one more example that also is from the uh, London data store. Um, oh, wow, 37 different allotments. Did I spell allotments correctly? Which one? Okay, that one has a CSV associated to it. So again, this is this is something that um, is, my mouse has died. It's really super sad. I'm very bad at using So this is something that um, is also again from the London data store. Um, so on the London data store, it's just a Drupal site. You can see this is, this is the same data set. We can see that this is the description. We have some information, date range, that's what they give us. And the actual URLs. So what we've done is we've taken it, you know, this all happens automatically, grab the kind of what the license is, uh, kind of provide some kind of uh, automatic access using the, the API, pulled it in. We've now made the tags linkable, and we've also um, obviously just automatically created previews of the data itself, just because if we know where the data is, we can, we can and it's a, it's a well-formatted CSV, we can preview it, uh, so again, you can search through it. Uh, you can. So this is this is a bad example because the data is bad, uh, but automatically it should pick out longitude and latitude. But it's done to a slightly different thing. We can see where things are. Uh, you can decluster. You can look at a specific one. You can search through this. Get into Barnet. Um, find the allotment locations for Barnet, and you know you get kind of. A little bit of extra stuff that obviously you don't get uh, from this page. Uh, okay. Right. What else? Well, yeah. Speed up. Good. 
Uh, it's used for data repositories. Uh, so this is um, this is University of Bristol. Uh, lots of really kind of fantastic data in here. Again, you can search for it and visualize it. I'm not going to go into too much detail. Uh, geothermal data. This is um, a U.S. Uh, national geothermal data system uh, organization, and you know they've kind of integrated with this really cool map search. So if I search a map for rivers, I get a map, I see all the different rivers that exist, uh, I can show the area map, I can go to the data set page, that takes you to the CCAN site, uh, which shows you the data set extent. Uh, this happens to be just a PDF, but you can then preview the PDF um, for it. You can go and see what else, uh, what other data sets exist for this particular East Walker River. There's only two of them, uranium in it and the river itself. Uh, but that kind of moving through things is really handy. And da -da. Uh, but, ba but yeah, and the other thing I was going to show is actually kind of, it's quite interesting to be able to have, um, you know, applications and ideas linked to the data itself. So sort of encouraging reuse and encouraging that kind of different uptake. Um, you know, for example, if I look through this and actually I don't search, I just say what's the most popular data set on here. It's quite interesting because you then see what people are clicking on the most. Uh, you can see how many different recent views there's, there's been. And this can be configured to show last week or last month. Um, you know, if I look at popular baby names, um, maybe I'll quickly see what the most popular baby name in fact is. Uh, let's order it. Uh, it's Jack. Um, I could even plot a little graph to see what the variation is between them. Um, maybe, maybe I won't, maybe I will. I will do it quickly, very quickly. Give a name. Mouth. Um, you can see Jack is really winning by quite some, some time. There's this journey I'm showing the first 100 records, but if we, you know, if we show 300, uh, we can see that what the distribution looks like. So yeah, if you guys want to name your baby baby Jack, it will be you'll be in good company. Um, and you can even see that there's been an application or an article written about this data set saying, "Wow, Jack is the most popular data you know name for babies." And that kind of feedback loop is quite quite handy. Um, this is a city of Surrey in Canada. Uh, they've got some. They've also got quite a lot of apps and visualizations and suggestion suggestion of data sets that they just use a simple form for so that they manage. Um, and they've got nine different applications, but you get the idea. It's this kind of. It's you know. It's a discovery site uh, when there are you know when things have uh, when things are tabular, you, it gets loaded into the data store automatically using a kind of data pusher loader, and that provides an API for things. Uh, you, you know, Open Expo, I think I just found this again on Twitter, seems to be a kind of one-off for an event data portal, and you can do that cheaply and easily. And you instantly give people going to the event something to play with, some kind of information, some way to browse uh, with data sets. And, okay. Data management. So the second kind of use case that we really fulfill is the data management for publishers. And it's that's the ability to store, update metadata records, 
have a workflow process, an approval process, really fantastic fine-grained authorization controls, um, and everything from broken link reports to download and view counts to this kind of being able to aggregate and pull in data from external sources. That actually makes kind of publishers' life much, much easier. Um, and the things I was going to show is actually uh, data.gov UK, uh, where I have uh, sysadmin access. Don't tell anyone. Don't listen. <laughs> um, and if I, if I log in. It's not a good password. This is this is a so this is a this is a demo site. So it's 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 not a problem that I'm going to be showing you guys how to add a data set on data.gov. Okay, it's not the live site. I will show I will also show a few bits of the live site in a moment. But um, so one of the kind of things is you get guided through this metadata adding process, and the schema that can be used is really flexible. So in the UK, they have quite stringent kind of requirements for temporal coverage, graphical coverage. You know, you have actually a set of nine different fields. Um, you know, so I might, I might just uh, have my hospitals data set creates an automatic URL. You get to choose whether this is a single file or a time series record. So time series is when it's published at a regular interval, once a year, once a month, um, and this essentially tries to encourage publishers not to create new. Uh, records, but keep adding to the same ones, so that everything's in one place and people can kind of download and use it together. Um, and you know, this will kind of show up reports. So it have, has a variety of kind of ways to enable you to check things. And one of the things that I'd really love to build into this process is uh, schema validation. So you actually put in a schema that the data should conform to, and as part of the process, you are asked to validate uh, against the schema. So I might say it's a single record link to my and I'll check it. We'll count the description. Choose the license by default. It's this one. Um, obviously British Transport Police Authority. Uh, this will automatically pull in the details for that organization and uh, so that for, for users you get a kind of little link where you can see who to contact, who's responsible for the data set, who's the first point of contact, who's the second, who the FOI and what the correct FOI uh, email address is. Now it will be automatically kind of pulled in and, and this sort of tagging theming uh, allows the kind of broad exploration from the top level. So I can say maybe it's defense uh, or edu you know, but also education and environment. And I can also add free form tags. Maybe I want a mental health, acute mental health. Hmm? Acute mental health for allotments. Allotments, I have a, a long, standing link with mental health. Uh, please go to a garden and plant something if you're feeling bad or call uh, a dedicated phone line. Uh, this also allows you to kind of create additional resources. So we really focus on getting the data there. But if you have an article, a PDF, instructions, website, you can add it in the additional resources um, and add things like temporal coverage, uh, geospatial coverage, 
um, you know, I'm going to say this is for England, and save and finish, and that should create. Oh well, I didn't, I didn't do the right thing for for this. I mean, I'm just going to click check it, and it should fill it in automatically. In description. And here I have a data set that's automatically created. I can then go in and edit it. So anytime, you know, or if somebody I employ creates this and I, and I want to oversee it, I can set it up to be private by default. I then go edit it. Uh, and, you know, and we'll have these browsable tags. You've got your kind of communication details, um, you know, your ability to kind of do more requests, share an application that's related to it, uh, and obviously preview the data itself. Um, and download it from here and kind of give feedback. So that's sort of the editing process. And, uh, you know, as well as the kind of those functionalities, there's everything from uh, broken link reports and kind of usage reports. So we have integration with Google Analytics. So you've got all that kind of view counts, download counts. Um, see, you know, you can chase different publishers uh, to update their data if where the data is stored is no longer live um, so you can kind of break them down by different organizations and uh, you know there's kind of a set of fine-grained authorization controls so I'm logged in here so I can see that this data set is private other people wouldn't be able to see it if I go in to manage this I can edit my organization that could be Office of Statistics or Department of Health uh, you know change different images give different uh, access controls by in either adding a user or just adding an email address and giving them a different role, which means that you can essentially pull, push out the uh, responsibility of maintaining the data set to other people, but you can oversee them. So you can sort of make sure that your editors go and create things, but they're private by default, and then you can in one go move them all to being public um, through this sort of data set management tab. I say all, everything make public. Uh, as an approval process. So there's a variety of that kind of workflow functionality built in. I'm not going to go through all of it. This is the uh, kind of other sites of adding, approving, download counts, link checkers, assessing against five of the stars. And the harvesting I've already talked about, which is this ability to bring in data sets from other places. Uh, this is actually what the harvesting form looks like. And these are kind of some various source types that are supported by CCAN already out of the box, but you can also build additional harvesters and you get full reports into them about what's changed, what's been updated, what's been deleted. Lastly, I think the kind of exciting thing about CCAN is that it's a platform. You can add lots of little different components, everything from commenting functionality to activity streams to support of, for standard schemas such as DCAT to the sort of multilingual functionality and dashboards and visualizations that sit on top. There are a variety of startups that build visualizations that can actually sit as a layer on top of CCAN and provide kind of better, fancier graphics. And that's completely possible through the API. You know, everything's kind of open source and well-documented. There's a full, uh, actually re read and write JSON API to every single thing in the catalog. So everything that you can do through the web interface can be done programmatically by developers through the API and more, which means they can build you know, things that interact with CCAN really easily to kind of extend that functionality. Um, and 
basically lastly you know this has seen fantastic success and we're really excited by everyone who's using it we've set up a CCAN association to maintain and really sustain CCAN going forward uh, I think last week or this week was announced kind of with five different members and a steering group of ourselves uh, UK the US and Canada governments who are kind of really overseeing the maintenance and development of CCAN as an open source project uh, going forward. There's a really thriving vendors ecosystem. I mean, there are companies, there are several companies in Canada, the US and Australia who actually have CCAN and doing these CCAN related things, a core part of their business model. Ourselves, we also obviously as the creators and maintainers offer bespoke customization, integration, and development and fully managed hosted services. Um, and I think the kind of exciting thing is that in this space now, we've got this huge amount of investment from innovation agencies. We've got governments now finding reasons why not to open up data as opposed to finding reasons why to do it. So I think this is a really exciting space and a time for things to kind of happen and integrate with real time or internet of things. And I'm really excited to see where CCAM will go. We don't have a huge amount of time, but thank you very much, and questions will be welcome. You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.